2: There is somebody that God is leading you to minister to. Do you believe that God can do that to you? I believe that he can. I believe that maybe, okay, I might be stretching it here, but I don't think it's too far of a stretch. I think that maybe the the owner of that house woke up probably a few days prior to this and said, honey, you know that room we got all the Christmas decorations and all the suitcases and all that stuff stacked in? We need to clean that out. Let's, let's just clean that out. Let's, let's, let's make that a, a nice room. I don't know why. I just got this feeling. And then suddenly comes the need. And God is opening up an opportunity. It's
0: easy to find excuses and ignore that quiet or gentle nudge that pushes us to do something out of the ordinary or uncomfortable. It's easy in everyday life to miss those opportunities to step out in faith and follow Jesus. As Pastor David reminds us in today's message, we serve a powerful and all-knowing God. If we're carefully listening, we'll hear God's call in our daily lives. Oftentimes, we won't understand his will or direction, but if we trust him and follow, we can expect him to do great things through us. Now here's Pastor David with today's message entitled, The Perfect Passover.
2: led to Christ by a man I don't even know his name. I was at a a crusade, and I'll just tell you this real quick. And, you know, they said, hey, you want to receive Christ? I raised my hand. But then they called for that altar call to come down to the front. I said, I'm not going down there. And so I left. And as I left, there was a man behind me that saw me raise my hand. And I was just a young guy. I was a senior in high school. He came and put his hand on my shoulder. He said, I saw you raise your hand. Would you like to talk? And so that afternoon, we sat in the aisleway of Veterans Memorial Coliseum up in Phoenix. That man led me to Christ. I don't know his name, but God knows his name. And he's a saint of the Most High. For you and I to serve the Lord faithfully with no one seeing, to be found faithful even without recognition, to do our Father's good pleasure when He's the only one that takes notice. This is a sign, beloved, of a faithful servant. This is a sign of a true child of God. And that's what I see in these two men, a simple servant carrying a water pot, and the master or the owner of a home that opens it up for the Lord's use. But on another note, let's look at this for a moment. How did this logistically play out? I mean, how how did they put all this together? How did that guy know when to go get water so that when he was leaving from the well, Peter and John would be walking through the gate and say, that's got to be the guy. What happened if he went a half hour early? What, What would have happened then? How did the master of the house know to have that room ready, that that there was even going to be a a need, and particularly that the need was going to be for Jesus himself? Well, in our human understanding, with, with our mortal logic, we, we, we would have had to have plans set up. Let's, let's uh, uh, coordinate our, 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 our watches here, make sure that he gets there at the same time we get there. Oh, by the way, don't forget, make sure and email the master of the home that he's got the house all ready. You might follow up with a, with a, a phone call just to make sure he's got everything. We would have had it all worked out. We would have had our advancement. We would have had people checking on it. But that's not the way it worked there. So how did it work? How did all of these things come to play? Did Jesus send out front men? I don't believe so. All of his disciples were there with him. In the other gospel accounts, actually it's the disciples that come up to Jesus and say, Lord, where are we going to do this Passover meal? They didn't know. They were clueless. None of them had been sent ahead. I believe, I believe that God's word again, reassures this and confirms this, I believe that God still works in dreams and in visions. I believe that God can lay on the heart of an individual his plan and his purpose. And if you and I, as that individual, are living our lives to a point where we say, Lord, here am I, send me. Whatever your will is in my life, I want to be found obedient to you. I believe that God can direct us that very way. I believe that again, instead of shopping at XYZ supermarket, not today, I think I'm gonna go over and shop at ABC supermarket. And then suddenly, right there in that supermarket, there is somebody that God is leading you to minister to. Do you believe that God can do that to you? I believe that He can. I believe that maybe, okay, I might be stretching it here, but I don't think it's too far of a stretch. I think that maybe the, the owner of that house, woke up probably a few days prior to this and said, honey, you know that room we got all the Christmas decorations and all the suitcases and all that stuff stacked in? We need to clean that out. Let's, let's just clean that out. Let's, let's, let's make that a, a nice room. I don't know why, I just got this feeling. And then suddenly comes the need that God is opening up an opportunity. I don't know. Is the God you serve Is the God that you worship big enough and powerful enough to do that sort of thing? I hope that he is. I hope that he is. Otherwise, you're serving a God who is not the almighty God. Verse 13 here tells us, so they went. They they went and they found it just as he had said to them. Imagine that. They found it just as Jesus said, hey, when you go in there, you're going to find that guy carrying the water. He's going to lead you to it. They went and found it just as he said to them, and they prepared the Passover. Common, unknown men used by God through a supernatural urging. They responded in faith, and God used them for the work of his kingdom. Beloved, we never know how big the words that we speak or the actions that we take that are being urged by the Holy Spirit in our life are actually going to be for eternity. We have no way of knowing. What we do need to be is those that are faithful to speak those words, no matter how small we may think they are. To take that action no matter how much out of our comfort zone it might be but the holy spirit is urging us to do that we need to be willing to do that we'll never know the name of these two men this side of heaven your name my name in the activities of our lives just as believers out in the world around us that again name may never be known but beloved i believe this happens a whole lot more than we give Credit to God for for it happening. I believe that there is a multitude of people that are doing the Father's will that, man, we may not see it on the outside right now, but God sees it, and God is working through these things for his glory and for the honor of Christ. Are these things consequences? Just happened to be at the gate at the time of the water carrier? Consequences? He just happened to have the upper room all prepared and furnished for them? No. No. I don't believe in consequences, I believe in God-incidences, God-incidences that God is working his plans and purposes out through a faithful and obedient people who desire to honor him in their lives. Let's move on, though. The disciples prepared the room, prepared the meal. Uh, Again, it was going to be an intimate night together for them, away from all the crowds, away from all the demands of ministry. Jesus would be able to pour out of the depth of his heart into these closest of his followers on what would be the last evening together with them before his arrest his trial and his crucifixion and so we see in verse 14 when the hour had come he sat down and the 12 apostles with him and then he said to them with fervent desire i have desired to eat this passover with you before i suffer For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. The Passover celebration itself, uh, again, it was gonna be an emotional time. It was gonna be a, a, a spiritually rich time there as they shared it, but for any Jew, it's a spiritually rich time. It's an emotionally powerful time because for them, it symbolized their release from captivity and how God, through his supernatural power, had covered them and provided for them. It was going to be meaningful for every Jew that had been trained under the law of Moses. But beyond the typical understanding of the ordinary Jew, here the Passover itself was again filled with this symbolism pointing to the sacrifice of Christ. Again, the the sacrifice that he was just about to make in the giving of his own life. In all of the humanity of Christ, you need to understand this, in all of the humanity of Christ, can you imagine the emotions that were flowing through him as he ministered Passover to his disciples? knowing that it was only going to be hours before that very thing was going to be fulfilled in his own life don't 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 lessen the humanity of christ because I believe the, the, the power that was going on right there uh, that, that, that was, again, being being just poured out in these men's life as Christ shared every bit of it. Passover commemorated that great release from the slavery of Egypt, but this particular Passover was in preparation of an even greater freedom from that full bondage of sin that all mankind was under. And Christ was going to be that Passover lamb. Christ fully understood the change that was going to take place that next day, actually in just a few hours. He understood the pain of his own suffering. He says, this is the last time I'm going to take this meal before I suffer. He understood he was going to be suffering. He understood also the impact on the lives of the disciples. Here are these guys, they were, they were clueless. They were still clueless, even on that night. You do understand, you remember, the the disciples were clueless as far as the sacrifice of Christ until after his resurrection. So here they are, they're just having a great Passover time. Man, this is a powerful time. Man, I just love sitting under Jesus' teaching. Man, he's just opening up Passover to us so well, but they had no clue that he was speaking as the lamb himself that was about to be sacrificed. That night in that upper room, the ultimate calm before the storm. I mean, and the storm, you need to understand that storm was raging up pretty quickly outside. Look what it says, verse 17. Then Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And he said, take this and divide it among yourselves, for I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. As they sat at that meal or actually reclined at the the low table, Jesus worked his way through the various stages of the Passover meal, all the symbolism that was displayed there within it. And in verse 7, we see Jesus serving the wine to the men that they were to take it, that they were divided among themselves. They were to share it among themselves because he wasn't going to drink of it until the kingdom of God comes. And although the wine had been dispersed at that point in time, it was actually the bread that Jesus first made mention of. He took it there in verse 19. He took the bread he gave thanks and he broke it and gave it to them saying this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me it was this bread that symbolized so clearly the sinless perfection of Christ What kind of bread was it? It was bread without leaven. That's what they had during that time. This was the beginning of the feast of unleavened bread, taking away all of the yeast, all of the leaven. And the yeast, or the leaven, all throughout the Word of God, Old Testament, New, speaks of sin. And on Passover and during the feast of unleavened bread, you would always have bread that was made without yeast. So even as Jesus took that bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to the men, that was symbolic right there of his sinless perfection without sin and as jesus blessed that bread he gave it to the disciples he declared again the fullness of that symbolism he says this is my body which is given for you now you need to understand and some of you understand it very clearly because of your background and because of the way that you were raised within the catholic church Within the Catholic Church, as the blessings of the priest came upon the bread and the wine, they believed that it would actually become the fullness, the true body and blood of Christ. It's it's called transubstantiation, that as the priest would pray, a supernatural event would take place. And that ordinary bread would become literally the body of Christ. That's why they're so, so very careful with it. The wine itself would become the blood of Christ. But beloved, the symbolism of what it actually is, is so apparent because in that upper room, guess what? Jesus was with them. He had the bread in his hand. This bread, this bread is my body. It's symbolic of what was going to take place. A little bit later, he gave them a drink from the cup. This cup is the new covenant of my blood. And he's standing right there before them. Even his follow-up words spoke of symbolism rather than an actual metabolic change of the bread into the real flesh of Christ. Jesus declared, no, you do this in remembrance of me. That's why for us it's a symbolic representation. It's a memorial of the giving of the flesh as a sacrifice. The one who declared himself to be the bread of life, now preparing to give his life as a payment for the sin of all mankind. In verse 20 he says, Likewise, he also took the cup after the supper and saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. And again, that original Passover meal, there were four different cups of wine. Actually, in the original, they, they don't even mention the cups. Eventually, through tradition, four cups came. The third cup was the cup of blessing. Paul speaks about a cup of blessing in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, when he speaks about communion, and he says, the cup of blessing which we bless. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? In the old covenant time, they came with trembling and they came with fear as the children of Israel received the law there on Mount Sinai. And that covenant had to be sealed with the blood of bulls and of goats. But yet the new covenant comes as we receive not Fear from the law, but now we receive grace from Mount Calvary, and this covenant also is sealed with blood, but not with the blood of bulls and goats. This covenant is sealed with the precious blood of Christ, once for all shed, no longer needing to be sacrificed. His blood is sufficient for all of our sin. Redemption no longer comes from a freedom simply from Egypt. No, our redemption now is a completed work, a breaking of the hold of sin within our lives as we call upon the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. And as we do, the word declares to us, the word promises to us that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Beloved, there is so much to say about this work of redemption and about the sacrifice of Christ. But let me close, really, with kind of a, a rather lengthy portion from the book of Hebrews. Flip over to Hebrews. Go through all the T's, and Hebrews is right after all the T's. Okay. Thessalonians, Timothy, Titus, Hebrews. Okay. Chapter 9 of Hebrews. I'm going to read it out of a version that I don't normally read uh, in our studies. Uh, I mean, I'll I'll read it myself, but again, some people get really weirded out. But uh, bear with me, because I could read it out of my New King James and then just interpret it, and it'll be exactly what I'm going to say here. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. But because it's so much easier for us to be able to receive it, and I'm just going to try and read it as much as I can without any comment because it is so clear and so powerful to speak of what we're speaking here about that perfect Passover and about the power of the blood of Christ. Chapter 9, the book of Hebrews, drop down to verse 11. The writer declares, So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Now under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from a ceremonial impurity. But just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That's why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and uh, between God and people so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under that first covenant. Now, when someone leaves a will, it's necessary to prove that the person who made it is dead. The will goes into effect only after the person's death. While the person who made it is still alive, the will cannot be put into effect. That's why even the first covenant was put into effect with the blood of an animal. For after Moses had read each of God's commandments to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats along with water and sprinkled both the book of God's law and all the people using hyssop branches and scarlet wool. Then he said, this blood, this blood confirms the covenant God has made with you. And in the same way, he sprinkled blood on the tabernacle and on everything used for worship. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no repentance or there is no forgiveness. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. That's why the tabernacle and everything in it, which were copies of the things in heaven, had to be purified by the blood of animals. But the real things in heaven had to be purified with far better sacrifices than the blood of animals. For Christ, beloved, not the blood of animals, but now for Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands, which was only a copy of the true one in heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf, and he did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again, like the high priest here on earth who enters the most holy place year after year with the blood of an animal. If that had been necessary, Christ would have had to die again and again ever since the world began. But now, beloved, once for all time, he has appeared at the end of the age To remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment, so also Christ has offered once for all time a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him.
0: We hope that today's edition of The Open Word has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, we want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on The Open Word are produced from worship services at Calvary Chapel, Casa Grande. Maybe the teaching you heard today is exactly what you're looking for in a church. Then please join us. We meet Saturday evenings and twice on Sunday morning, as well as throughout the week. For more information about when we meet for worship, including driving directions, log on to theopenword.com and then follow the link to the church website. Now here's Tracy with some more important information about how you can help support The Open Word.
1: Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. And as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. Today's broadcast was professionally produced and God has given us a vision to see The Open Word expand into other parts of the world. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to TheOpenWord.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow.
0: Thanks, Tracy. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and may God richly bless you.